Hi, this is Jimmy, and you're listening to Stage Door Medium. You're listening to Season 1, Episode 14, Beautiful As You Feel, featuring star of Beautiful, the Carol King musical, and artistic producer of Eclipse Theatre Company, Shalina Kennedy. All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another week of Stage Door Medium. I'm Jimmy here. Um, if you're new to the show and they're like, what is this about? This is weird. It's like Broadway and dead people. Um, I always like to describe it as I sit down with some of the most incredible, kindest, hardest working Broadway humans, and we sit down and talk about the parallels between our work, um, since it all boils down to energy. And I have and I know I say this every week, but like, no lie, I'm like really pinching myself. This is like my hands down talent crush. Like I woke up so excited today when I saw it on the calendar. So we have the incredible Shalina Kennedy here with us today. So yay. Hi, Shalina. Hello, Jimmy. It's so nice to be on your on your show. Thank you for having me. You Thank you for coming. It's, uh, it's, I'm so grateful. How are you? How was Canada? I mean, it's, it's pretty good. <laughs> it's been very snowy. We've been out, you know, to Boston and making snow angels and doing the usual you know Canadian Stratford, right? winter activities yeah and we're in the snow belt in Stratford so it's you know it's really really snowy it's been snowing like almost every day and we've been going oh just having these fun hikes like out in the nature trails and people are snowshoeing it's been very very peaceful Shalina's credits are just incredible so Fun fact, I saw Shalina in a Shaw Festival production. We were talking with, after I read you about Gypsy, that you were Agnes. And then, yeah. gosh, you've done so many Stratford shows. You did Jesus Christ Superstar that transferred to Broadway, where you made your Broadway debut. The national tour of Mamma Mia, which, by the way, um, Jenny DeNoia was talking about you quite a bit. We had a cat. <laughs> she was like, please tell Shalina, you know, that, that I, she's like, I, because what's funny is that before you even, before I met you that day after I spoke with Jen, Jenny brought it up. She's like, you know who I think would be a really cool person to talk to would be Shalina Kennedy. And uh, so it's just crazy how it works out. So you're in Mama That's so Mita. funny. You know, she, and she and I were roommates. We she, had like, I just love that girl. We, we've, we've known each other for so long. And, you know, she, anyway, I just, I remember so her being like, I want to do this role and I want to be playing these parts. And then all of a sudden she's starring on Broadway. Like, you know, she's just amazing. She's such she's a go-getter. Incredible. And, um, energetically the two of you are so similar that I could see why you guys clicked well um and then gosh you you just wrapped I mean we're missing the big one you were handpicked by Carol King correct to, to play Carol and then uh and then the band's visit most recently and I gotta tell you I saw I saw you in Toronto and first off let's talk about Canadian audience members are so freaking adorable. Like they're so supportive, Shalina. And I, like, it's funny because I'll see a Broadway show and at intermission, let's say it's wicked. Like you'll have that like adult that will get up and they'll just go, she's not the best. I've seen better. And like, they'll cite, they'll quote off when, you know, who they've seen play her and who's been better. Canadian audiences. I remember I saw a show and the, it wasn't beautiful, but somebody was like cracking during the show. And you know, at intermission where your Broadway audience member would like kind of like critique them they just went oh she's just lovely I think she's a little sick and then her friend was like she could use a nice cup of tea and they're talking about adding honey to it and they're like maybe we'll bring it to her and I'm like is this Canada I'm like <laughs> everyone's so nice <laughs> and they're then, pretty sweet. Uh, then I heard them like well let's go have a nice cup of tea after the show and I'm like gosh I, I need to 
Canada's got to teach Broadway some some etiquette things. <laughs> but anyway, your your performance was incredible, and um, I'm so grateful you're here. So, um, if you don't mind, could we start with just, I guess, the usual? How did you get the bug to to do theater? Yeah, sure. I mean, honestly, I was. Uh, I mean, my mom tells this story that I, I always love to tell. That when she was pregnant with me, she used to play her guitar. And the vibrations and the energy of her singing and her play, playing, I would move inside of her and I would rest against the guitar and rest against the vibrations. So she's like, you were a singer in, you know, in the womb. <laughs> so, I mean, basically, it's it's all I ever did. I, I, I wanted to either, um, you know, be an activist was really my only other main, like big, big passion, or I wanted to be a performer. I, I really wanted to sort of work with animals and, and be an environmental activist or be an animal rights activist or some kind of activist, um, or I wanted to do this. And this is what I felt, you know, I, my, I felt like my strengths were um, in the performing arts. And so from the age of four, you know, I played piano, I was in classical everything, classical ballet. Um, you know, my, my parents really didn't come from a, a performing background. So you know, I think that they thought that, you know, if I learn the classics, you know, if I learn how to, if I study piano, if I study classical ballet, classical singing, classical acting, that I'll have a good foundation. So that's kind of what I, what I did. And I started acting really in high school. And then I went to Sheridan College. So I had a choice. I was going to become an opera singer um, because I had a scholarship to go to Queens and study voice, yeah. or I didn't want to give up my, my dance training, you know? So I thought, well, maybe what I'll do is I'll go to Sheridan and then I'll study musical theater and then I don't have to give up any of it. I can sort of decide what yeah. I want to do so there I learned how to like belt for the first time and I learned how to like you know I was tap dancing and stuff and I figured out and it's so ironic because I the only class that I almost failed out of was um my pop class <laughs> and then it's so ironic because then I made my career basically like singing rock and pop for literally the rest of my you life other than like you know a few <laughs> roles yeah it was so so nuts um but yeah, that's that's kind of how I how I got the bug. I just I just wanted to do all of it. I I just you couldn't get me off the stage. I took every class known to the human race, and I, because I was an army brat, I lived all over the world, and so I took you know I was in Australia for two years, and so I just found you know a studio there where I could train. And was, was were you in kind of, were you traveling for high school as well? Um, yes, I did. I I was. I, I basically work? traveled my entire life. <laughs> So how does that work with musicals then? Because I'm just thinking like, you know, I, I teach and I, I know whenever I have auditions for the musical, the students get like really territorial about like, oh, who's this newcomer? And they're like, so were you, were you in multiple high schools then? And did you do musicals at all of the schools you were at? And Well, I was, I was lucky where I, I got to sort of, um, I got to spend most of my high school years in Kingston. So I did transfer to a oh. different high school at one point during that stay, but my parents decided that for high school, it would be important for me to just to stick to one place. So even though my dad did get posted, he ended up moving to the States and living in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, while my mom and I stayed in Kingston so I could finish out high school, which was super sweet of them, you know, and it was good for just for maintaining friendships and for, you know, being able to stick with one dance studio and, you know, do all the musicals at, at my high school. And I did a lot of community theater, that kind of thing. Is and, it, you know, what's um, great about Kingston, too, is that they've got Queens University. And so all of those like, you know, those those singers and those actors, they were all in the community theater production. So I, as a high school, yeah. So I was like a high school kid and getting to watch all of those people do what they do. And and I feel like I learned more from that than I did for, from any of my classes. 
was there a production that you saw that like, is there one that's branded up here? Like for me, I remember it was going to what at the time it was the Pantages in Toronto and seeing Phantom. And so for me, that's mine. Do you have one that like was like, oh my gosh, like your first bout with theater as an audience member? Oh, that's so tough. I mean, Miss Saigon really sticks out to me just because it was, you know, it was in Toronto. It was like an all Canadian cast and I got to go backstage and meet everybody and like see the set and how much bigger it looked when I was in the audience and, and actually getting to, you know, I think I was so starstruck when I saw everybody. I didn't even know what to say. Rent was another one, you know, like seeing that original Canadian yes. cast and, you know, just both of those shows felt um, I mean, Beauty and the Beast was another one. Oh, I forgot about Beauty and the Beast because that was at at the pan. Was that the Pantages or Princess of Wales? Oh God, where was it? it I want to say Princess of Wales. I think you might be right. And then Lion yeah. King took over, if I'm not mistaken, for a while. At, oh yes, it did. I don't know. And if you're at home, you're like, what are they talking about? So Mervish, Ed Mervish, theater producer, um, they would take these big Broadway blockbusters and then same sets, costumes you know, scoring everything identical, but it would be with all Canadian actors and performers. And um, and then they would stay for, gosh, incredible, incredible amounts of time. Like Phantom was there for, what, over 10 years? Oh, a uh, long time, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, gosh, I mean, it was, I was so fortunate that I really had this, and, and you as well, I'm assuming, like, you have this, like, br- like little Broadway hub almost in in Canada that you're able to you know, to go. And um, now the national tours will go through there. Sometimes I've noticed like that's mm-hmm. where I saw beautiful and they flee in to do it. And um, well, you know, what's so interesting is that, you know, back in the day before the late nineties, you know, uh, when we had a major shift, um, Toronto was the third largest, you know, theater hub in the world. It was New York and London and then Toronto and then everything changed. Um, but yeah, when, when, when Toronto was at its height, it was pretty incredible. I mean, so many of the big musicals came out of here, you know, showboat, like so many. I have to ask you, so you said something so neat uh, and it, it segued into my next topic. You talked about vibration and you talked about the vibration of the guitar and how you would go toward it. And I always tell people during readings, like, we all sense vibration all the time. You know, it's, it's all around us. We put it out there. So a lot of times if somebody's like, well, I think I'm empathic because I'm picking up on somebody else that's in a, in a negative mood, you're sensing those vibrations. So when I read you, you seemed like so deeply spiritual. Like, have you always been that way? Or like, it's just, it's just the impression that I get from you. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I never really, it's a complicated answer, I think, because I've never described myself until maybe recently as spiritual. And I think it's because I was raised um, with two rebels as parents. My, you know, my father, you would think he would be very conservative. He's military, you know, you think he'd be a little more sort of on the right side and, sure. and a bit more religious, but he's not. Um, he believe, you know, he believes he's a child of Gaia. He's a poet and an artist and a painter. He's just this beautiful sort of artistic free soul, yeah. you know, for somebody who was in the military. And then my mom was this, you know, um, hippie, you know, uh, and she's also. I have a very interesting family. My father is is Irish and my, my mother is is part English and, and part indigenous. And so even though she she wasn't really involved in the indigenous community, like we didn't live our, our lives as indigenous people, but it was very much part of our family. And I think something that, you know, when my mother started to go to powwows, you know, that changed our we also found out that we were we had some Jewish um 
blood in our family recently. And my mother's always been very um, drawn to the to the Jewish community. And in fact, she was going to convert for a long time. It was so we were celebrating all these Jewish holidays and eating gefilte fish. And I was like, wait a minute. So our identity as a family has always been like really up in the air. Like, who are we? Like, I just don't know. Like, what are, do we have a religion? Do we have like, I don't really know what we celebrate. So my mom always taught me, look, be open to everything, be open to literally everything, but do not feel caged or dominated by what humans do with religion. So as opposed to being religious, she always encouraged me to be spiritual. And so did my father. So, you know, I sang in the Anglican church and my father would come, even though he wasn't religious, just to hear the vibrations of, of the music and to share that with me on a Sunday. So it was never religious. It was always this kind of, yeah, it was always about connection and, um, and going deeper, you know, and uh, going deeper with connection and going deeper with the self and the divine and whatever that means. It's so personal, right? You know, it, remember I did an, I did an enlightenment intensive one year when I was going through a very, very rough time. And, um, and I felt like that was the closest to, you know, God that I, I've ever, I've ever yeah. been, you know, and that was just me and nature and me in silence and me with no labels, all of them in the fire. And what was at the bottom of all of those labels is the essence of who I am. And only I know that nobody else can, you it's know, it's so not personal. anything that we can tell each other. Yeah, it's so personal. No, it, it, it is. And it's funny, I was, <clears throat> I was um, interviewing one of our guests, we had talked about when you talk about we don't tell each other, it's so personal. Even some of the things that I do to prepare in terms of my meditation and like the things that I don't talk about, because if I do, then I'm like, I almost feel like I gave a little, like, I'm like, oh, it only, like, it works for me because I, I know that I'm the only one that knows how it, you know what I mean? Like how I prepare and how I connect. And um, I remember reading an interview years ago with an actor where they talked about not wanting to talk too much about their process work with their character because they're like, all of a sudden it, it's not special to just me anymore, you know? And right. I mean, there's definitely things that I do if I get nervous before going into like going into a reading, um, if I'm reading like a bigger name or something like that, that will bring me down. But I don't like to share it because it's just it's just meant for me. You know what I mean? Well, um, and do you find too that when you as soon as you talk about it too, that because language is so flawed, suddenly we're trying to describe something that is an experience through language and like, like all of a sudden now, you know, if you're trying to remove all the filters and try to have this sort of, you know, this deep and truthful experience, then you're putting all of these layers of yes. all this other stuff on top of it. And then, you know, it's impossible to communicate anything verbally perfectly. I mean, we try and we try to use all the words and the tools that we've got, but there's no way to really say that with words. I can't even meditate every day. Like I, as much as I want to, in theory, I, I, it's, I am an, I'm by nature, a very over analytical person to begin with. So like there's days where if I'm really tired and they're like, you know, you hear that visualize the white lights coming down. And like, it's always a British accent. Like, and I'm like, well, it feels a little bit more like goldish today. I'm like, is that normal? And then I'm like, is there something wrong with me? And so like, I end up defeating the purpose of like my meditation. So every so often um, I, I just can't, you know, and I, I'll, I'll go, this is for me. And when I need it, I'm going to come back to it. But right now, like, if Harry Styles on the call map is like throwing me out of it. I'm like, I can't right now. So <laughs> well, the beautiful thing too is like meditation. You can do it anywhere too. Like I do I it on my walks. I do it, you know, just, you can do it anywhere at any time. You can do it doing the dishes. You just, you know, it, it, it doesn't have to be precious, right? Like this spiritual is always the divine is within us. We are mm -hmm. spiritual beings. So you can access that whenever you choose to. You know? Absolutely.
Um, gosh, I'd love to talk about your, your Broadway debut. So you made your Broadway debut in Jesus Christ Superstar, which you know started off at Stratford and then it transferred. Um, what was that experience like? Because I know the fans of Superstar are so, in a very loving way, they're very protective of the show. And I feel like, um, I know when it came through, it's come through our town a couple times, the, the big national tours and like those, the fans are very particular about what they want to see, what they don't. And so what was that whole process like? Oh, it was, um, oh, how do I describe that process? It was challenging for me. Uh, and it was also wonderful. I loved the group of people I was working with. I loved Des's vision and the, you know, um, the way he worked on it. I, I, I loved it in so many ways. And I loved how daring he was with the way that he told the story. He really, he focused on the love story, you know, and then the, the, that triangular, love story which i think is such an interesting way to you know because i think i i always think if you if you look at it just as a story right if you play jesus as the hero and the saint and the savior and you play judas as the bad guy and mary as the whore it's just so predictable if you play against what those narratives are then i think then you've got something to to dig into right um and, and, you know, and for me, having been raised, you know, at, like I said, with a very spiritual mother who also went definitely against the grain, um, she did so much reading. Uh, she was a feminist. She really didn't believe that Mary Magdalene was ever a prostitute. She's like, that's nonsense. I've done all of this reading. And, here, and she took me through all of this stuff that, you know, showed me who, you know, she believed Mary Magdalene was. So it really challenged my own biases and you know and then I, I realized at the end of the day that it doesn't really matter what I believe or what my mother believes or what anybody or what the fans believe really my only job is to tell this story and to tell the story the best way that I know how and it was it was it was tricky but I just had to sort of get rid of all of the what I wanted it to be or what I thought it should be or or what if it was written this way and just go you know what this is what's on the page this is what I've got to work with this is Des's vision and let's do it and it was really fun. Once I let that go and I could just dive into it and enjoy the music and it was fa fabulous. First off, your dress was like, it was like this color. A little later, yes. I'm gonna, I will post the video because I've searched high and low for like a full high quality audio of it other than a bootleg and I can't find it. And I oh. use the press shots, but they're limited. And your wig, like if they're, that wig, Shalina is like, what wig dreams are made of like the little braid and the way it was mm. yes oh i, I know, I, know. When I saw that wig <laughs> would you know that i didn't even know but that's how apparently how women used to wear their hair back in the day i, I just thought she gave me a fierce wig it was erica croft she's incredible but i was like what's this, what's this look you're giving me she's like no no no. this is actually what they did they would braid their hair and she gave me this whole like history lesson on how women did their hair back in the day yeah out <laughs> so. of here huh yeah 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 there you go um, so, okay. So from superstar, I, I guess, and just to jump a little bit, we have mm -hmm. to talk about beautiful. I've noticed that every time I've seen an actress in beautiful, I'm always drawn to the energy of the woman playing Carol versus maybe like, oh, they sound so much like Carol or they, so I'm, I'm curious, like, is that something as the casting or maybe Carol herself, is she more drawn to energetically who resembles her versus perfect vocals or like what was what was that whole process like getting cast for you how did it come about yeah well you know to be honest it was a, it was a bit of a complicated process because I was involved in you know um 
they had expressed interest in me before. And, you know, I, I had this very interesting time in my life where I was already committed to doing Evangeline in Canada. And they called and they said, look, we want you to come and do a final callback. We're going to fly you down to New York. You're going to be auditioning for Carol. Um, and it was for the original company. And, uh, and I couldn't go because I, at the time, was contracted to do this other show that was also, you know, fantastic. It was an original um, Canadian musical that I've been wanting to do for a long time. And so I missed the sort of opportunity of, of just seeing what might have happened. And I thought that that was over. I was like, oh God, I missed my opportunity. I connected so much with this role, it's done for me. And what I did is, funny enough, now we're talking about energy, uh, I kept my sides. So my scenes and my music that I used for the audition, I kept them tucked away in a little corner, whereas normally I throw them out because I think it's good, like when you're done an audition, like, okay, I'm clearing out space. I'm clearing out space for something new to come and I'm not holding on to the hope that this is gonna work out. If it happens, it happens, but I send it off into the universe. So this time around, I kept it <laughs> and I stuck it in, I don't know, a little file somewhere between some books or whatever. And I just kind of like kept my fingers crossed and hoped that it would come back. Cut to, you know, whenever, and my agents took me out for coffee and said, okay, they want you to replace Jesse. And I went, don't you? Oh, with me and this isn't really true they're like no 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 they want you to go down and uh and i had to fly down when i was oh gosh i was eight months pregnant and you know and sort of pretend that i was you know wow. not pregnant and um and also really quick how close to the end of jesse's run was she like how much time would you have had well, I, I had a bit of time because they really wanted to plan it all out properly. And, and, and I didn't want the first show back after having had a baby to be my uh, big Broadway lead. Sure. So I want, you know, so I, I ended up uh, playing Mary Poppins right after I gave birth. I think I was on stage like seven weeks after. And it just kind of like got me in shape again, like vocally, physically, I had to dance. It was like a really nice way to like, okay, I'm doing a show and then I'm going to go to Broadway and play Carol. Um, and you know, and, and I'm not sure how how they chose their carols, but I I I do get the the very strong sense that it is about the woman's energy. Yeah, I mean, I always said like, look, you know, they were never expecting somebody to do a Saturday Night Live version of Carol. Yeah. You know, like it was not never a direct impression. It was always like a, the feeling of. And for me, what's what what always stuck so closely to me about Carol was her humility and her kind of just her way of connecting with everybody. She always makes everybody feel so special. She's always willing to get into, you know, a real conversation with you about whatever, about family, about music. She's just really one of the most sincere, coolest people I've ever met. Super kind. Um, and I, I mean, and I always thought to myself, gosh, if I, if I'm half the person Carol is, I'll be very lucky in my life. So, you know, I, she seems I was magical. very honored. <laughs> She Carol really is so like, do you guys keep in touch since the end of the run? Well, I just got a, you know, a Christmas message from her. I mean, we don't keep in touch. Like she doesn't call me, but she's very sweet. You know, I'll get the occasional message from her. And she's so sweet. Like when she first came to see the show, I got a message in my inbox saying, you know, from Carol Dash. And she said, ah, oh, here you're great in the show. I'm going to come and see you. Do you want to know when I'm coming? And I, first of all, I looked at the message and I was like, I don't have any friends named Carol. Oh my God, it's Carol King. I was like, deal, dear Miss King, please do not tell me when you're coming because I will have a heart attack. Yeah. Um, so she was like, ah, I won't tell you when I'm coming to see us. Um, but you know, she, she was fabulous. She's just been fabulous the whole time. She, she's hung out in my dressing room numerous times and she sat and I mean, she didn't have to do any of that stuff. She no. taught me how to like how she plays piano. She, we did a whole session where she showed me her hands and, you know, we, we talked about her 
just all of her memories and she told me all about her, you know, Jerry Goffin, because by that point, when she'd come to see the show, he had already passed away. And so she imparted a lot of information. And she's very I just love the way Beautiful is set up because it's interesting for it being a jukebox musical. It doesn't feel like one at all. Um, you know what I mean? Like it, yeah. uh, it's, and it's, gosh, it's so, I think because you know, you're watching these moments now, can I ask too, I, I, I've always been curious, how much artistic license did they take with it? So like, for example, the end of act one where they have the conversation and he's like, I don't want to leave our marriage, but I want to be with Janelle too. Like, did they, did it happen exactly as that? Or were they like, you know what, like maybe let's put this here musicalized in this moment. I mean, I, from what I've heard, you know, from, um, from, you know, the creative team and from what I heard from Carol that I, I think, I think a lot of it was true. And I think, you know, I mean, you look at one situation, there's numerous people in that same situation, but everybody has a different takeaway, right? Everybody always has a different truth, a different experience of that same situation. So I think that, you know, Jerry famously said that didn't go that way, or that wasn't quite <laughs> like that. But Carol was like, I remember you saying those things. So I think that, you know, everybody, I think it's pretty truthful. And obviously there was some artistic license and certain characters have been melded into other people. And who was Nick? I think he's a combination of two different people yeah um you know and janelle's a, a combination of a couple people so i think it's pretty close the perspectives part is always so interesting to me about you know when i'm doing a reading and i'll share a memory from them sometimes you'll see a disconnect of like the client going well that's not how i remember it but then they'll go home and they'll relay the same message to their mom and their mom's like that's exactly how it was so it's always a bit of a disconnect sometimes of like you said it best you know our lives are so multifaceted that we have these experiences where we might unpack it so differently than how it actually was. And um, mm -hmm. I just love that they never really vilified people in the show either. You know what I mean? There was always beautiful redeeming qualities about everyone. And, you know, the end, you just feel like it's such a celebration of everyone. It's, it's just such a feel good show. You know, that is, and that's important. I know it was important to Carol as well. She always wanted to make sure that, you know, Jerry was never the villain of the piece and that he was, you know, properly portrayed and accurately portrayed. Yeah, I, I will never forget your couple of moments from your your performance were branded when you were doing the, in the just in the best way. I remember watching you when you were doing, oh gosh, the start of Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow? And is there a line, something like, wow, Jerry, it's good when you- Yeah, yeah, it would go, wow, Jerry. It gave me goosebumps. And like, I remember you hear, you heard those loving Canadians that were like, oh, like it was just such a special, moment and then i i always look forward to one fine day you know um that's my marker of the show is like no matter who i'm seeing it i'm like yes 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 belt for me belt 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 and i love that just, moment too it's it's, it's so, so great cool. i love it yeah but uh, well, you know it's interesting when, when, you, when you talk about energy too because i always looked at it when i was first doing it i felt such pressure you know because i was such a carol king fan and i was also such a jesse mueller fan and i was like oh god you know it's just a lot to sort of take uh, on when you're first starting and i always told myself you know um if Carol is a yellow, you know, like on the rainbow of personality, like if when you, because when I look at her, I always see yellow. I think it's, well, I mean, also the part of the, you know, the design of the poster, it's all yellow and sunny and yeah. and, and beautiful. Um, but I do see her as a very sunny yellow personality. And I see myself a bit more in the red fuchsia kind of world. But I always think if you, you know, when you're playing a character, like obviously it's going to pass through you and you have to make it your own. But if you meld those two things together, if, if I try to, go towards where she is and then still infuse it 
with my own qualities, I'm gonna I'm gonna play Carol a bit on the orange spectrum. And so if you know on my good days I'm closer to yellowish orange, but I'm you know some days it's gonna be a bit closer to sort of a deep, you know auburn color is always what I thought of when it came to playing somebody who was real who was real and alive and definitely alive in people's hearts and memories. So based off the color you gave, would Dina from the band's visit then be closer to your personality? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, I mean, it depends on the day too, right? Like I, she, I there's certain days, oh, I definitely feel like Adina. That's and then other days that I feel like a Carol. Go ahead. I was so, I, you know, sadly I wasn't able to see you in it, but I did see the original Broadway cast with Katrina Lang. And I remember just being transfixed. Like um, I was down, down there for a conference and, and my spouse got a ticket and joined me that night. So we were different spots of the theater. And I just remember, you know, just the magic in the stillness of the show. And um, you leave there going like nothing happened in the show and everything happens at the same time. And is it hard to be that still for a show? Yeah, it was interesting. We had a lot of talks about the stillness, especially for the tour, because we were playing such big houses that certain moments that were, I think, a lot easier to land um, you know, in New York, uh, suddenly you're in a two or 3,000 seat house and you've got, you know, you've just got to play to the back of the house and, and, and make sure that people are with you. And I think a lot of the silences do hold and a lot of the stillness holds. Um, but you, you know, we just had to be really, really sure that we were never a beat too long. You had to just crest it and then move on <laughs> to make sure people were there with you because that's the thing we became very sensitive about. Are they with us? Are they with us? Are they with us? And how do we, how do we hold it? How do we keep them with us? We don't want to lose them. Especially with the band's visit, you know, I'm just thinking most of these towns have season, sub, sub, blah, 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 season subscriptions to their theater. So the band's visit is so unlike other shows. You know, if, if you're coming off of seeing like Wicked and like Chicago and like Mamma Mia, and then all of a sudden you've got the band's visit, which is so still, you know, yeah. the, 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 I noticed the sound design of it is genius. And the fact that it really forces you to it's not overly loud. Like you really had to listen to what was being said and that's, you know, that motif of silence. And um, I think one of the things that I always think about with the band's visit, cause I'm asked sometimes is, I remember the, what is it? The language, the, the mispronunciation of a word is what kind of lands them in this situation. And I'm often asked like, well, how are you able to hear my grandmother right now? If my grandmother didn't speak like a lick of English. And I always say as a medium, like, I know it sounds bizarre, but it's the same that works with pets. Like when we're reading, it, it's like a, it's a universal language. Like it doesn't, they either speak in symbols or it's neat. I will know if they didn't speak in the language because they'll start saying something and it will sound like, remember like Joey on Friends when he's trying to learn French? Do you know, do you remember that episode? No, I, I don't, but I can imagine. <laughs> he's like, yeah, tout de la fruit. Like I'll hear something that sounds phony and then I'll go, okay, they didn't speak speak English. And that's just my symbol right. for it. And then from there, it just takes over and I, I hear like it's been translated. So I just, I just wanted to also say that I love that yeah. that show, the band says it was about kindness. It doesn't, it's, it wasn't kindness in the sweet way that we sometimes recognize kindness in North America, but it was kindness nonetheless. Like it was still people being very generous to each other and learning. And, and it could have been a show about our, our disagreements and our politics and what divides us. And it wasn't at all, it was about what connects us and the language of music and the language of love and how, you know, and I, I just think that's so beautiful because I, I don't think a lot of people necessarily are expecting that when they go to see the show, so. We need it, you know, we, we need we it more do. than ever right now. God almighty, um, yeah. just this idea of, of putting 
cultural differences aside and just human kindness. I know you had the coolest quote when you were in the factory uh, playing Carol King Steinway and you were talking about how energy is imprinted into objects. And I was just like, it was like the proud parent of like a Broadway. I was like, yes, Shalita, like, yeah, like proud <laughs> spiritual parent, I should say. And you, can you talk about that a little bit? You had it, just the way you said it was so beautiful. Well, I'm, you're very sweet. Thank you. And I'm definitely, I'm no expert in any of this. I mean, I just go based on my, my gut, but um, I mean, I, I feel like how, how can that energy not be in an item, especially an item that's made out of organic material like wood, you know, uh, and, and, and the, the hours that go into, especially something like a piano, the hours that go into playing that instrument, the heart and the soul and the vibrations and the everything that's around it. Um, it for instance, you know, I, I studied with this wonderful woman um, through high school. I studied piano with her. And she passed away one morning uh, and I was supposed to have a lesson with her. And I remember just being told, oh, I'm so sorry she died. And I was heartbroken. And I, I didn't play again after that for a very, very long time. Uh, and it wasn't until I went to, it's funny, I went to my local theater where I ushered uh, in Kingston. It was the Grand Theater. And it might have been maybe a year after she passed. And suddenly her piano was sitting in the lobby. And I, I rushed over to it and I recognized it. And it was just like a regular black grand piano, just like any other, but it had a couple little markings that I just knew so well because I had spent so much time with that piano. It was like a person to me. Yeah. And somebody said, no, 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 this is from the blah, 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 the university. I said, no, 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 you don't understand. This is her, this is Margaret's piano. I know this piano better than I know many humans. <laughs> I can tell you right now, I know exactly. And I put my hands on it and I could feel her energy around it. I don't know what else to tell you. And so that for me confirmed, like, of course. <laughs> and you know, my mother also is very big on, you know, rocks and 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 things that, you know, she loves things, not because she's not because of, you know, wanting to own things, but because of 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 what they mean. And I think because we traveled so much, bringing an item from one country to the next and making the environment familiar, I think for me and for my father really helped us to kind of keep on our pins, right? Oh. Sorry, you were going to say something. I just oh, I mean, you, gosh, you hit the nail on the head. Like um, I, as a medium, we call that psychometry, you know? Um, so <laughs> it's it's an additional skill. Not all mediums have it or choose to use it. I do. So sometimes I'll say, um, if if you want to bring an item of of one of your loved ones in spirit, um, you can bring it. So sometimes if I, um, they might not, sometimes I might not get them initially. It happens sometimes and I'll go, did you bring an item? And, and they'll show me. And so we can start to read on who would have owned it, their personality. Sometimes people that work with like the FBI and helping to solve um, murders and crimes will do that as well. They'll hold objects and be able to pick up on energy and 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 whatnot and no you said it best i mean we we funnel our energy into things um that's why as as a medium antique shops are really confusing for me like i would never try to do a reading in an antique shop because you have so many items like if somebody had a necklace that they felt their sexiest in going out every time putting this on and it's now there i mean you've got that and then imagine like a bajillion outfits or things that somebody at some point wore because it made them feel good so you or you know they maybe they got dumped in it maybe they got engaged in this or or married and so that energy is you know it's um it's intense and so no i just i always love to try to teach people if they're watching too so that's the term if you're watching at home psychometry um 
and then oh gosh i guess if if you don't mind if we could we could go into um one of our topics before we wrap up if we could talk about your reading so i read mm -hmm. you what about a month about a month ago was it mm -hmm. yep anything that you feel comfortable sharing about it um i would be so grateful i mean uh, to be to be honest with you I, I there was so much about it that i found profound and and so bang on and and um um, I, I, I specifically loved the way that you, you handle the, the energy, like that, that it's sort of, you, you said at the beginning that it's, it's only high vibrations. Yeah, no, no low vibrations yeah. and that you filter. So I felt, I think I felt very safe. I mean, cause I've, when dealing with these kinds of things, I've often felt a little scared. Like I've, I've seen, I think I've seen spirit, I've experienced spirit before negative and positive and, and, and my mother has seen a lot of, and my father as well. I mean, we have a family who definitely believes in all of that and yeah. has had a, a lot of experience. And so I was, I was a little scared that it might open up some negative stuff for me, but it didn't at all. I felt completely taken care of. And so I felt like I was able to dive in and really have a full experience. Cause I, 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 I felt kind of, uh, I, I felt very, very safe. Um, I think the, I was surprised by my, you know, my grandfather popping up as the first one. And, and I don't think I ever really, it's funny because after we had our session, I went and talked to my, my parents about, uh, especially about him. And I asked how he died because I knew he was in the hospital and he died of all these, you know, complications. And I knew that he'd been a major smoker. But when you said, you know, when you described him as, as not being able to breathe and that's how he ended up dying. I mean, I didn't know that that's actually how he died. I asked my oh, mother, and she, descri she described exactly what you described. And so, you know, there were just, anyway, that was just one of many, many things. Uh, um, you know, I, I think it's funny what you, or I guess I should just talk about me, I won't generalize, but what I sort of thought that people would want to say or need to say, or what I thought I might need to hear, and that what changed over the course of the reading depend like I sort of let go of any preconceived notions of what I thought that they should say to me or what I needed to say to them I just let it be what it was which is another way to be in the moment and mindful and just allow it to be what it is you know in instead of like expecting something um but it's from meant them. To be. it's not meant to be played because otherwise I'll say you're playing test the psychic because what will happen is somebody will go somebody tried it on me once and and that's when like just like the sassy you know uh, comes out in me and this woman's like oh well what were the last words my father said to me uh, the day before or the last words he said to me at the bison or not the bison the 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 ball game the day before he died and i'm like and like the head caught i was like <laughs> and i looked at her i was like we're not doing this and i was like i no. don't it doesn't work that way. I'm like, well, you're going to go to a, 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 a reading and you're going to get what you need. Not, and because that's the, that's the other thing I always say, a reading is, is all part of, it's part of the faith process. Like you have to go in going, yeah, like I went in with no reservations. I went in open to whatever they wanted to share with me. And I always have to say as the medium, it's not my job to unpack your experience. The same thing as you as a performer, it is not your job to say, okay, people need to walk away being inspired by Carol's message or going, oh, Carol was really good in this moment or like, or this was a beautiful show. No, like it's not our job. You know what I mean? Like it's, mm -hmm. and um, you know, your energy was so clear. 
Well, but but it's you know, and also sort of what I was um, what I was meaning by that too is that I I think if I had been asked to like write down what I thought that I should get from them, like from the deceased, oh. is different than what. Do you know what I mean? I I, I think I I there might have been part of me that like wanted my grandfather to apologize or something and when i got there i realized no i don't need that at all like i i just was able to be present with what needed to be exchanged you know and what messages were meant to be delivered and what needed to be delivered at the time and i realized when i got there that actually i don't i don't need a lot of like a lot of the things we hang on to i don't think we always we always need to be hanging on to so it was an opportunity for me to let go and to you know forgive myself forgive them um, you know, I, I did hear from from somebody very, very important that I was hoping that I would hear from in the end. And um, yeah, it, you know, and like like you said, it was a, a you know, you one of the main um, I think motivations for you is is healing. I think right, or or that's one absolutely of the that, closure, that, peace. Yeah, and 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 I really, really found that from the session. It was truly, truly. Um, life-changing and also opened my eyes to what I need to do in the future for people who are around me now living, you know, and, and how I, I might want to just be a little more attentive, you know, because maybe they need me a bit more than I think they do. You bring up a beautiful point. Sometimes this should be a drinking game for beautiful. How many times we've said beautiful tonight, especially me. Um, uh, <laughs> no, but sometimes the apologies will come. Sometimes they don't. Um, and it doesn't mean that they're not sorry. It's also this idea of, it, it, it's so trippy to explain, but you could have three mediums reading the same soul and they're all going to get different things based off of how they know. It's almost like you could have three piano players in front of you. They're all going to read the sheet music, but they might play it differently based off of their style. So if somebody's a jazz pianist, they're going to be playing it very differently and they might catch different notes and flex of things that they've heard and will relay versus what a classical pianist will. And that's how, I, and I always say, gosh, if you didn't hear an apology, know that it's not them being stubborn or in refusing to apologize because I, I don't believe that it, it works that way. Um, just sometimes we just don't catch it. You know what I mean? Like there's our time. I always say it's like the, like the supermarket sweep, the buzzer, like or the, the countdown starts and like, it takes a lot of energy on their part to relay. And so if there was this other soul that wanted to speak with you, and they spent more time with you toward the end, it was this idea of, all right, how do we ration out Jimmy's time to make sure that everything comes through? Do you know what I mean? Like, how do we fill up this space and not drain him and not drain ourselves? And so it's complicated. But I always say again, like, you will leave there going, okay, this is what I needed to hear. Um, or, or this is going to propel me in the right direction for the future. So yeah, yeah, and it certainly felt that way. Yeah, it's uh, it was Good. incredible. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad. I, well, I wish everybody could do it. <laughs> it. It's such a cool, you know, my. That's one thing that I've, it's never been lost on me. But it is interesting. Like you'll have moments where like it's part of what I, it's just part of what I do. So like my spouse was just asking me, he goes, do you ever have days where like you'll have a client that will like break down and the, like this was life changing and then you as Jimmy just kind of like go about your day afterward and I'm like yeah and it's, it's no it doesn't mean that I'm not awed by the process as well it's just it's it's so ingrained in what I do now that you know what I mean that like that's the gift that they were able to walk away going 
things are changed now for me, but I know sometimes for me, like um, I never view it as a job though, never like a on the clock, off the clock kind of job. But, mm-hmm. um, and you also don't know how somebody's going to unpack it. You might not see them unpack it, you know, when you might mm-hmm. hit end on the zoom call and then they're like, then they fall apart because everything you said held up, you know, and it's, so. But it's interesting, you you must, I mean, it's, it's funny drawing parallels because I've worked with a lot of the coaches, you know, here at the festival and coaches on my own, like energy coaches, like breath coaches, you know, people oh, yeah. who really dig, dig down inside of themselves and in you and have these like life altering moments. Um, and I, but, you know, talking to somebody who I'm very close to, she's a very good friend of mine, she's also a coach. Um, I feel it's very similar. Like, I, I'm sure you can't, you can't attach to every single one of these, like it's, it's not that you're not present or that she's not present um and living it with you but then you don't you can't take it home with you I mean I guess the same way as I can't take home every single audience's experience of like sometimes people come see the show and they'll have these like unbelievable reactions and it's 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 life-changing for them and of course it's wonderful to witness it and for me you know I can experience it and be with them and then also leave that at the theater the same way you know right now I'm working on a very very dark piece I have to leave that piece once I'm done. I'm with it until I'm not with it. And I let it go and I let it out into the universe. And then I approach it again the next time I run through it. But I can't live my days with that lady it's dangerous. inside of me all the time. Yeah. It is very dangerous to bring it in. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's, there's times where I'll deal with really heavy topics and just like same with similar topics to what you were sharing with me before we started airing about your, your one woman show. And like it hangs on you. Like I remember when I was in college and I did, I did rent for about a month. We did a sit down production and it was hard to shake. Like I, I felt like everyone would, would want to go party after and they're like, let's go drink. And, and it's interesting. Like, I think their logic of let's go shake the show. It was genius. I couldn't because I was like very much somebody that needed to rest afterward. I, I felt drained from yeah. it. You know what I mean? And yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I had to go, all right, I got to go shake this so I can come back tomorrow and tell this story and not feel weird. Like you really have to start the, you know, each new performance from scratch. Like you have to start as like young you know, a hopeful, naive Carol at the start of each. Mm-hmm. And you, you can't let that stuff build up or it, it, it does mess with you a little bit. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you, I guess, to wrap up final topic, you're, oh, I could say when the borders are open, I'm coming by the way, to Canada, I'm going to, please. you and I are going to go on a, a, a hunt. We're going to find Justin Trudeau. We're going <laughs> to, um, talk get him to come to an etc production which is oh my goodness you know i met him on the streets of charlotte i've got a picture of me and him like arm in arm and i was like if i'd only known i I had such a crush on. oh he's so wonderful i just love him sorry go ahead no so i mean i guess can you tell us all about eclipse theater company i just i just think it's incredible and i i i want all the folks at home too to know especially with me being so so close to the border and, and some of our other listeners nearby when it's open, like, I can't wait to come support you. So tell us all about it. Thank you very much. Well, you know, we are a Toronto based theater company. Um, But we, uh, so we we've been around for about four years. And uh, Evan Chichis, who's, uh, you know, wonderful guy from originally Canadian, but now living in Houston, he was our artistic director for from the beginning. Um, I'm the artistic producer. And then recently, we've had um, Andrew Seok is a, a wonderful composer and a filmmaker and uh, just a, a really, really great creative mind. He's come on board as our new artistic director recently. So it's interesting that during these times when everything is sort of shifting to online and 
you know, on screen that we now have this incredible filmmaker at the head of our organization. So I think, you know, things have obviously slowed down a lot for every theater company and we're reevaluating, you know, what stories we want to tell and how we want to tell them and who's going to tell them and what we want to focus on. Um, and so I, and it's a nice moment for us to reflect and to just go back and to take a look at our mandate and find out what we want to be doing. We've just launched our, um, our MTO program training and mentorship. Yes. Um, so we've got a bunch of classes, which is fantastic. And then um, Andrew and I are working, I mean, I can't really say too much, but we're working sure. on a brand new, a brand new program, a brand new initiative, a new um, uh, that focuses on, on new Canadian work, which is kind of exciting. Um, and then we've, and we've always been a very uh, site immersive, um, not necessarily every piece has to be site immersive, but that's sort of how it's been from the beginning for us, because we, we just get so excited again about the energy of spaces. I mean, it's, it goes back to our conversation. We did, uh, and this is sort of terrifying, but we did um, kiss the spider woman in an actual prison. So it was a working prison up until the 60s. It was, it's called the Old Don Jail in Toronto, and it was beautiful and scary and the sound of it and the the leftover energy in the building i mean we actually had the performance in the main chamber you know like three stories it's now an art gallery but there was like an actual glass half moon on the floor that you could shine light through that looked like a spider's web you would not believe it i couldn't believe it when we found it i was like i can't believe we're doing this we made it work I mean, it was like a long time trying to figure out how to make it work but we made it work there were musicians and actors and dancers floating in and out all the audiences in the main chamber and that's where they used to torture prisoners so when they would sing and when they actually had the prisoners i mean you couldn't help but feel this like I mean, it's the show, but it's also this reminder of like the human, you know, like the, the like it was the it was re so much re more real than we could have ever it would have ever been in the theater. And so I was so grateful to Evan. That was Evan's inspired inspired idea. Like I knew about so it was, in the park at the Jam Factory, but I did not yeah. know about Kiss of the Spider Woman. Well, I mean, that's exactly those are the kinds of experiences we wanna we wanna have. Like you know. Focus on the great show, of course, but focus on on what space is calling out to us, so we can tell that story there. You know, and there's a million of them. We just can't. You know, we don't have enough time <laughs> to do well, them all. The other, I mean, but that's the other beautiful thing, though, is that with with some of these shows, with with revivals, like we have to find a new way to make these shows relevant. And um, gosh, oh, oh my God, I, I have goosebumps. I mean, I know we were talking before about when when they did Ragtime and they did it on Ellis Island and. You know, Sweeney Todd, they, they um, what the off-Broadway production was in a former pie shop. And, you know, right. it, it's ways of finding the art to resonate on a deeper level, you know, because I that's think right. that's at the end of the day, that's what it's about. Well, and also if we're finding these stories relevant and the message is relevant, we also have to ask ourselves, why is this still relevant? Like, like that's the other thing about, you know, Kiss of the Spider Woman is that there's, you know, putting people in, in jail and, and, and human rights issues. I mean, unfortunately, that is still a huge issue globally. I mean, you know, there's so many messages in that show that we need to be examining and, and retelling, yeah. trying to figure out why we haven't fixed it, you know? There was a production of Piazza in the States, and I want to say it was, I want to say it was not Signature, I want maybe a place in North Carolina, and they said it, it was in an art museum, and it like, talk mm -hmm. about the most perfect, it was in the Italian exhibit, um, the Italian, oh, air, wow. and, and they just sat, and just the acoustics of this space, you know, with Adam Gettle's music could not have been more beautiful. And that's what excites me about theater. And that's also, yeah. I guess, to close, what gives me hope about the future of theater is that this is an art form that will never die off. You know what I mean? That's like right. 
we will Absolutely. always find ways. And, yeah. and, and, you know, and all theater needs is one actor and one audience member and it's theater. You don't need, I mean, I know we love all the bells and whistles and we love the lights and we love, you know, the space and gathering in a space, but really the outdoors, a tree can be our space. Like we can make it work. We can do it. As long as we have the will and we have the stories to tell, we will continue to have theater. So we just have to figure out how to do it. You know, I mean, even on the Broadway level, I mean, obviously before things get to Broadway, before you see your sets and your costumes, that story is still working in the rehearsal room before you even get to, I mean, I remember for the color yes. purple revival, the director had talked about, you know, how simplified the set was. And he was like, you don't need a tree on stage to know that there's a tree on stage. You know what I mean? Like That's our right. mind is, is capable of so many incredible things. And oh um, yeah. Well, and even, you know, even right now on Zoom, I know people are getting Zoomed out. Some, you know, they're, it's because it's tough because we're living our lives online. But, you know, we just had a, a, a workshop of, of the show that I wrote. I wrote a, a, a musical with Eric Holmes, who's one of the writers on The Good Fight. I don't know if I told you this. And anyway, so we've, we've been working on it for the last four years. And we had all of our workshops in New York. Um, and now this is the first one we've had, um, I mean, in Canada, <laughs> it's all virtual, but we did it. I mean, we figured, like, we've been figuring it out. We, you know, you pre-record everything and you, people sign on and you can still work on new pieces. You can still make theater. You just have to be creative, right? We're all trying to find ways to get it, to get it done and to continue forward. I mean, I just read the review of the old Vicks production of A Christmas Carol and it was all streamed through Zoom. And they were like, finally, they're like, we have... I mean, it got rave reviews, the production, but also it got so many good reviews on how it was executed with Zoom. I mean, you, you right. logged on, somebody admitted you, they disabled the recording features. I mean, it was, so I mean, and I, I know Broadway and theater will return eventually, but it's also a beautiful thing to know, okay, in the meantime, we have figured out other ways and creative, beautiful ways of still telling stories, even without, like you said, the bells and the whistles, so... And now it's time for some last minute questions. If you were a ghost in a theater, well, I don't believe it. If you were stuck as a ghost in a theater and could only watch the same musical for all of eternity, what would you pick? Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness. The same musical. That's a hard one. Ooh, Fiddler on the Roof. Really? Fiddler on the Roof. Yeah, I know. It's one of my all-time favorites. I just love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I this love is the, the first Fiddler that we've had. Um, one for Fiddler. Okay. Um, <laughs> if you could go back in time on Broadway and originate a role that was like a star-making vehicle for somebody else, what character would it be? Or what, you know, you know, from what show? Um... Oh, probably Guinevere in Camelot. You're picking some really good nuanced ones today. I appreciate this. Um, so next one, character that you've played that could most benefit from a medium. Huh? Um, ooh, Maria, West Side Story. I feel like she would need it at some point obviously at the end, but I feel like she would need it in between the 24 hours that conspired. To, like, I feel like she would need exactly like, hold. I mean, if, if they could like pause on that fight that her and Anita have, and they could just have like, or what know. if Anita was the medium? I mean, and could you like, also what, what a fabulous drag queen name, like Anita medium. Um, like, <laughs> what, if, what if she was, and she was like, I'm getting some messages here and I'm being told to tell you that like, it could have ended differently. Um, yes. I appreciate these. And then final one, 
um, I always say a bazillion years when no one is here anymore, when we're all not, you know, when, how would you want people to look back and remember Shalina Kennedy? Oh boy. Um, so often what I don't feel, but what I would love, I, what I would love to leave behind is a quality of uh, fearlessness. Um, and yeah, I would say, you know, bravery, fearlessness, and, um, and compassion. Those are the two qualities I, I prize. So I, I hope, <laughs> hope I'm. I know that I know you will. You are incredible. I want to thank you so much for being my guest today. This is a real honor. And I thank you so much. And I cannot wait to for the borders to open to go support ETC. And, um, and I've never been to a Stratford show actually, ever. I've been to oh. And I know I need to get to Stratford. So that's on my list. Come. Yeah, oh. absolutely. I just want to say thank you for having me. I just think you're extraordinary. And and I, I respect you so much. And your reading, like I said, it it, it really, it really changed my life for the well, better. Been, and I feel like you're, you're in now. We're, we're buds. We're, <laughs> so yeah, I know. Look I, out. I saw that cell phone number in that email. I was like, I got you now. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. This was a real joy and the feeling is mutual. So everyone go check out Shalina's, uh, Shalina's uh, company. I will put some good links to her in the web, uh, yeah, in, in, the, in the bio and everyone at home and Shalina be well. And I will see you next week for another episode of Stage Door Medium. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hi, everyone. I want to thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed. If you want to learn more about Stage Door Medium, please feel free to give me a follow at Stage Door Medium on Instagram, stagedoormedium.com, and on YouTube, Stage Door Medium as well. I hope you're well, and we'll see you soon.